Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free Posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Hey everyone, today we have another Clubhouse chat to share with you, and this time it was with Johnny Edward and Kat Ford Coates. They chatted about creativity and experimentation, and it was a really good one. Kat's full story can be heard on episode 19, and Johnny is an editorial and fashion photographer based in Denver, and this was just such an interesting discussion. Okay, please enjoy this bonus episode with Johnny and Kat. So Johnny, I'm really I'm thankful you could you could be here today. Uh what we're going to be covering as far as creativity and experimental process. Like I could talk about this for hours. So Ella, feel free to shut me up at any time. Uh, (laughs) But (laughs) I met Johnny at Portrait Masters uh, in 2000. Is that 19? Yes. Uh, and we just hit it off really well. Since then, we have worked a couple of gigs together for some destination clients. Uh, and I always love just creating with you, of course, but even watching you work is really, really fantastic. Uh, and it's because it's not just about getting the formula, right? Uh, it's about delving into the moment and being inspired. And I thought you'd be a fantastic guest today uh, just to, to cover that very thing. Um, so please tell us a little bit about yourself, your backgrounds, your business, anything you want to share. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you for the kind words. And, and similarly, it's always such a joy and pleasure to you know create with and alongside you and to also watch you create in your process. Uh, my name is Johnny Edward, for those of you who don't know, which may be quite a few. Um, uh, I am in editorial and portrait and fashion. That's a lot of ands. <laughs> but my, my main areas of kind of expertise, so to speak, are, are editorial portraiture and fashion. Um, I'm a photographer and creative director based out of Denver, Colorado. Um, you know, my background with photography, I'm, it's, I know we're on limited time here, so I'm not going to get into the nuts and bolts of that because it would take too long. But uh, I kind of started connecting with photography when I was a very young boy, around six or seven. Uh, we were constantly moving around, and I was leaving people, places, and things behind. And so a Polaroid camera and a shoebox full of Polaroids was how I sort of created some semblance of uh, stability in my life as a young boy. And moving forward, I've lived a million different iterations of, of myself, I guess you could say. I've been an EMT a digital marketer. I've worked at, at different levels of the, you know, uh, as a consultant and in, as an executive in digital marketing and other industries. I've owned gyms. Uh, I've owned landscaping businesses and, you know, I was taking down trees in the Florida heat. So, so I've been sort of a renaissance individual all the while searching for myself and my place and my purpose and nothing ever really clicked. You know, in college, I studied biochemistry and electrical engineering. And so I have this really kind of crazy, very background Um, But it was probably about five years ago or so, maybe a little bit more, I picked up a camera and started shooting the stuff that I knew and loved, like landscape and street and uh, those different genres. And then that sort of led into portraiture um, so that I can connect with others and sort of tell their story in my own through that process. And being uh, a fashionista myself, if you will, uh, fashion, I guess, was kind of a normal or uh, reasonable extension of that. And I sort of fell into fashion and people just started seeing and loving my work and paying me for it. And yeah, it's been this really beautiful, powerful sort of organic unfurling for me into photography. Um, You know, I found Sue Bryce many years ago and uh, obviously this whole community, which has been absolutely brilliant for me to find worth and value in myself as an artist and a creator to then carry that forward to be able to function at a high level as a professional. So yeah, that's kind of uh, my background in all of this. And this topic itself, you know, in terms of creative exploration, 
and artistic experimentation and, and all of this, it's, it's very near and dear to heart for me. I think that, you know, in today's marketplace and in, in today's society, it's far too easy for us as creators to take a formulaic approach. Obviously, we have to have technical skill. You know, we have to have systems in place that we can use and leverage in our businesses. But it's, it's very easy, at least for me, and for those that I work with and, and what I've kind of seen and observed to get into these ruts where, you know, A plus B equals C and day in, day out, we carry out things the same way and we don't give ourselves room in space, not only to breathe, but to simply be an experiment and play as artists and creators. And by not doing that, I think we're really shortchanging ourselves, um, you know, by, by not connecting with ourselves on, on deeper levels as creators. No, I would I would absolutely agree with that. You know, I think it was at WPPI last year, we were having a conversation around just creating for the sake of. And I remember like you sort of looked at me almost aghast, right? Like because in my world it has always been about creating the business and getting the system right and only taking paid work and, you know, that was the goal. And you looked at me and you were just like are you kidding me? Like you don't ever give yourself an opportunity just to like experiment and play. And I was like, well, I do with clients. Right. And I think that's, that's something that really should be addressed. Right. And in, as we're building our businesses, especially with SBE, right. Using that portrait model and building a business, I think you do get to a particular space and sometimes it has to smack you in the face um, for you to realize like, oh, okay, I've got the formula. Like this is sustainable and holy crap, what is it that I want to do? Right. And not, it's not just about this dress or, you know, this particular light setup. It's what can I do with these while they're in front of my camera? And that's really when I started to kind of dive way deeper into, you know, cat, whether you're with models or clients, um, either one, 99% of the time, is going to allow you the the breathing room to play, right? And to go down a new rabbit hole. Uh, and I'm curious, how do you approach that in your work, like with your clients or a model that you're working with as far as like, hey, in that consultation or that conversation you have prior to the shoot, when you're sort of outlining what it is you want to accomplish, what are the goals for that session, what does that conversation look like when you start thinking about the intention of the photo shoot and how you might be able to leverage that that experimentation to really bring more to life? Well, I mean, on, on the client side of things, when I'm working with someone and they're coming to me and commissioning me or retaining me to create a certain aesthetic or set of images for them, of course, that consultative process looks like outlining exactly what that's going to entail, what they can expect from me, what I expect of them. And then, you know, in, in a very, uh, uh, I would say, customized way that's catered to the individual, their level of interest and, and those types of things, you know, we'll go into exactly how I am going to go about creating those images. From there, I kind of parlay that conversation into saying, hey, by the way, these are some additional thoughts I had for an aesthetic or a vibe that I feel would work well, or based on what you told me, I think we could explore this type of art or, you know, this approach. And so that that's kind of the back end where I'm like, if we get everything we need, and I know we will, at that point, we have some liberty to simply play and experiment. And if something great comes from that, great. And if not, no stress or pressure whatsoever or worries because we already got what we needed. Um, very similarly, if I'm working with models, especially agency models doing things like testing, it's, you know, I go in with the mindset of what do we need? And, you know, I take on kind of the perspective of a creative director or you know, producer, so to speak, or director. And once that's done, you know, once the business is out of the way, so to speak, then it, then it becomes, okay, well, you brought a couple of extra pieces of wardrobe. I see this. I love this dress. Let, let's play with some motion. Let's play with some emotion. And so every time I'm behind my camera, I really try and carve out um, some time to, to experiment, whatever that might entail. And, you know, that's one big thing that I really wanted to talk about today with everyone, or at least allude to, is, you know, words can carry very different connotations to different people. So when I speak about experimentation, it doesn't have to be something big and grandiose. You know, if you shoot outdoors mainly, you don't have to rent a studio and set up 12 lights and put on this big production. 
It could be something as simple as using, you know, a 35 millimeter focal length if you usually use 85. It could be as simple as putting on an extra piece of diffusion or taking it off. The idea here is that you do something differently than what is normal for you. And it could be a small step or a large step, but it's just that idea of stepping out of, of your box, so to speak, that you've created for yourself. And in doing so, I think it just um, you know, opens the door or window or however you want to phrase that to, to a lot more things. And it just becomes sort of this feeder system that's cyclical. Um, but yeah, I, I always try and um, carve out time for experimentation. And I always try and hype up the people I'm working with and, and bring them in on their pro that process and also ask them, hey, do you have any ideas? Is there anything you want to do? So once again, it's, it's pragmatism first. And once the pragmatism is sort of um, well-fed, so to speak, or once the, the, the business is out of the way, then it becomes how can we play and what can we do to just, um, you know, experimentally create, if you will. That's awesome. I like that it's, you know, pragmatism first, right? Because at the end of the day, like, they're commissioning us, you know, whether it's for agencies or for clients, right? It's for a specific aesthetic that, that we're presenting in our social presences on our website, that kind of thing. Um, and one of the things I love about going down the play side is something that I learned like really early on in my business. When I first started learning and under, under Sue, I basically put out a call, right. And created a campaign out of, you know, her, her teachings or whatever. Um, and, you know, outlined what it was that I needed. And the biggest reason I think I filled that was because people were excited to go down this new road with me, right? Like, oh, this is something new and exciting. And I'm helping this artist like grow in their craft and basically like the, the early adopters, right? Uh, and I think that's so true when you invite your, your clients down those rabbit holes with you because they get to be a part of your growth process and they get to then say, yeah, I was the first one that, you know, this photographer got to create this with and look how far along they are today. Uh, so that's something that I definitely leverage, especially when it comes to playing creatively. Like, look, I kind of know what's up and I really want to test some theories here. So if you'll have some patience with me, like, you know, we can really get something pretty cool. Uh, no, well, no I think that's a very salient point. And, you know, more often than not, I've experienced the exact same thing. It's like, ultimately, what do we do for our clients? We connect and we empower them. And so then when we ask them to participate in this creative exploration with us, in a way, it gives them a chance to reciprocate and empower us to explore our craft. And people are generally really delighted in that and honored to be part of that. Um, so, you know, I think just just simply asking that and inviting people in, you know, I know there's fear of rejection and all of these kind of self-worth based things surrounding this, but more often than not, I think most, most of you will encounter if you try and bring a client into this and say, Hey, I have this great idea and I think you're perfect for it. And it's a new technique or approach, or I've been inspired by X, Y, or Z. They go, Oh, wow. You want to do this with me? That's amazing. Yes, please. Thank you. Let's go. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of magic really. 1000% for sure. Now, would you say that you have a, a deconstructible process overall, or is it really like in the moment, or are you sort of targeting specific goals based on, you know, new gear or techniques or just concepts? I, I think that varies from situation to situation. You know, I, I, in truth, I tend to go in with a very solidified plan, you know, like I have this whole blueprint of what I want to do. Very rarely do I follow that plan. Um, you know, so I might go in and say, hey, I want to I want to explore with colors. And then I get in there and I'm like, the world is devoid of color. And I just want to play with lots of contrast and mood or whatever it might be. So, um, you know, I put together plans and mood boards and kind of all of these sources of inspiration. And I like to play off of those. But at the same time, I never want to shut myself off to the spontaneity of the moment, because the biggest jumps I've made as an artist and as a creator have been when I was present in that moment and just an idea came to me or a thought came to me, or I suddenly saw something differently or thought about something differently, and I simply ran with that. So going back to the experimentation aspect, if you're a planner, I think that's great, but don't plan to the extent where you don't give yourself any levity or lateral movement in that. And you know, another thing that's part of this for me is, is going into the exploration aspect of things. For me, at least, it's very important to try and set expectations by the wayside insofar as I can. You know, because if you go into some sort of creative exploration and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to learn a brilliant new lighting setup that's going to revolutionize my business. It's like, 
and you plan for what the outcome is going to be, you're limiting your exploratory, I guess, if you want to call it nature or drive in that. And then even if you get tons of other things out of that exploration, if you don't get that one arbitrary element, it's going to feel as though you failed. So anytime you're, you're kind of going into this mindset of exploration or play, I would encourage you to really try and mediate the expectation and say, whatever comes from this is what comes from this. And I don't need or want anything beyond that. And in doing so, you really open yourself up and avail yourself to, um, you know, the, the growth and knowledge and just all of these different wonderful things that can come from that process when you're not, um, you know, boxing it in. I'm actually really glad that, that you brought up failure. Um, I think it's, you know, it, everybody talks about how like Oprah says to fail faster. And it took me a long time to, to really wrap my brain around that. Um, and then once I did, I was like, oh, and I fail at technique on a regular basis. Um, but I think one of the really great things about it, right, is it gives you an opportunity to experiment and to play and to th- think sort of with a different mindset and a different structure of your process so that you can understand either how the light's moving or what these settings really entail and then all of these different components that maybe you don't walk into the session with. Like so often we get stuck in that like, okay, I'm going to get these compositions down and we're this set and then we're going to move to this dress on this backdrop and it becomes so formulaic. We forget about... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, and also you just sort of get stuck in your head then. So, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, I totally relate to that as a creative person myself. You know, um, there's so many things I could have have done by now, various projects, but, you know, I get stuck in my head. So, yeah, no, for sure. And as an artist, right, because there comes a point in time where you walk away from or even stand back from being a business person for this artistic company and realize that, no, you are the artist and the creator who happens to also own a business. And if you're not giving yourself an opportunity to experiment and play, then I I know for my own self, like that really turned into, I'm really not as valuable as a creator because I'm just you know, wash, rinse, repeat. Uh, And that's where that self-value component, like you can step into a really empowered space when you've discovered a part of your process. And I'm actually curious, Johnny, like when did that component happen for you? Like, was that something that you came into the, the business and the process of being a photographer, like keeping that expression and that experimentation as a priority or was that something that you discovered sort of as you grew as as a creator uh it's it's definitely something that that came along the way and i wish i could say that i walked into this with it uh the journey certainly would have been a lot less bumpy um but no i i had a i had an obsession getting into this when i actually started getting paid for it to say okay what is what is my what is my style what is my aesthetic what is my visual signature that was very important to me because having a background in writing, you know, there's certain flows where you could read prose from a writer and you know who they are. And I wanted that to emerge from my work. Um, but I started focusing on that so much that it was deleterious. So I went through all of these different um, iterations. And, you know, the other thing is I think a lot of people may relate to this. I'm, I'm very good at deconstructing light and style and essentially regurgitating it. And maybe that's not the most pleasant word, but I can, I can look at something. And, and so along the way, I've realized that oftentimes I, I was inspired by people. And then I went in and I was creating work that was very similar, not rote. You know, it wasn't simply just, you know, taking an idea from someone and using it as my own, but people would start to comment. So, you know, for instance, a big influence of mine is Paolo Reversi, just a really brilliant, famous, legendary Italian fashion photographer. And it's surreal and it's motion based, but I'll kind of get into their work and then suddenly people start going, oh, wow, this reminds me of Paolo Reversi. And I'm like, well, that's great in one way because clearly I'm executing properly on these techniques, but they're not seeing me anymore. They're seeing this artist, uh, this other artist that I'm simpler, simply mirroring. So, you know, over the past year or so, I think it's it's been very important for me to think about exploration, to think about authenticity. And in doing that, um, I've really come into my own in a way where now I feel like when I create something, I see my work. And I embrace my work and I revel in my work and I love it. 
And I, I've never had that experience before. So it's kind of came in and out. And, you know, when my business was failing and when I was faltering, um, I wasn't thinking about art. And I just started focusing solely on finances and marketing and all of this. And like you had said, I really love that point. Like we are creators and artists first who happen to have these businesses, who, who are entrepreneurs on top of that. And I, I've lost sight of that very often throughout my journey. And in reality, when people come to me or when people come to any of us, clients, current or potential, they're coming to us for who we are and what we do. Ultimately, not because we have a business, but because we are artists and they want to have us create their likeness via our art. Um, and so when we start to lose track of ourselves and when we start to drift, um, not only are we no longer fulfilled and does this thing that's so substantial begin to become hollow, but people sense that from the outside and they're no longer drawn to us because we're not putting our, our best foot forward from a place of authenticity and connection and everything falls apart um, if that's not foundational, in my opinion. So when you're in that space, right, where you're focused purely on the logistics and functionality of your business and maybe the art spaces been sidelined, right? Like you've got to pay your mortgage, you've got to pay your rent, like, oh my God, the the bills are due and they're piling up and I have to generate some work. Uh, how do you find that that energy affects you in creating? Oh, I, it's, it's very limiting. You know, if, if my, my wholehearted focus is on that, I go into sessions and um, I almost feel less than. And to be honest, in that, I feel like I'm offering my clients less than and it can become a pretty vicious cycle. So it, it definitely affects my drive to create. It affects um, how creative I feel when I am creating. Um, and yeah, it kind of just puts that, that bleak, overcast type of uh, atmosphere on everything that I'm doing, both personally and professionally. So when I get into those head spaces, uh, I, what I really try and do is just take note. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I have to be pragmatic. Like I have to get my marketing together. I have to update my website. I have to do all these administrative and logistical things. Like these are essential to... Um, my sustainability as a business and to my growth as a business. However, when I'm in that place where that is my sole focus, I really try to step outside of that and schedule something creative that has no expectation on it. So rather than going, oh, I'm going to experiment creatively with my client at the end of their session or with this model at the end of their portfolio update, I just build out a project myself that I can do. And I'm like, if these photos never see the light of the world, that's fine. And if I never share them, or even if I just delete these photos on my card immediately after I shoot them. So recently what I've been doing is trying to head that off at the pass and balance that energy out and say, okay, everything's here. I'm going to reallocate some of that here. And it usually can kind of jog me out of that rut and put me back into a place where I feel like I can more readily and efficiently find, find the balance between those two somewhat disparate elements. Oh, never see the light of day. Man, I don't know that I could do that. Like, even if I felt like everything was a complete and total bust. I don't know that I could never not load something um, just to, to, you know, look it over and analyze and try and, and see it with fresh eyes. But whew, yeah, and that gave me it's, good chills. <laughs> well, it's, it's a really, it's a big challenge. And, you know, there was, I, I'm going to totally butcher this. So excuse me, everyone, but there was a silly meme going around and it became this question. And I, I'm sure that it even floated through this community, but someone essentially in one of these online Facebook groups had said, you know, art is the act of sharing what you create, not the act of creating it. Of course, this created an uproar and there were people for and against oh, and all I of these things. That, yeah. But it really made me think, you know, okay, what, what, is the, what is the creative point for me? Is it when I upload these onto my, you know, laptop? Is it when I click the shutter? Is it when I'm conceptualizing these things? So I've really challenged myself in that way to go, okay, if there's anything I feel like I have to do, like I is a must. I'm checking myself to try and not do that. Of course, if, if it makes sense and it's not going to, you know, uh, create a situation for myself. But even as far as deleting things off the card, it made me nauseated the first time I did it. But then it was also liberating to say, OK, I don't have to load these up and analyze them and reanalyze them and look them over. Um, and even when I've shot things that I really disliked in the past, I would still put them on my computer. And sometimes that resulted in growth. I could look at things with fresh eyes and go, you know, actually, these are great. Other times I just sat there with, you know, 17 cups of coffee and dissected every single element of that image set and literally got into a self-loathing <laughs> place where I was like, I'm horrible and everything I do is horrible and I'm going to sell this and become an accountant and I'm a terrible artist. Yeah. And, you know, and no, no, not to knock any accountants out there. You can be creative with that too. Um, but I, 
you know, I'm doing what I can to say, hey, nothing is definitive. It's all dynamic. It's all malleable. And I don't have to do any of these things. I want to be doing them because they speak to me um, and because I want to and they lead to something positive or uplifting or forward moving. Word. So what would you say is the most powerful or impactful moment in your process? Like when, when does it hit you? Oh, wow. That's actually a really great question. And I'm doing the politician thing here and just talking about your question while I think about how to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, for, for me, I think it's when I, when I see the back of my camera, you know, and I actually take that shot because conceptualization is great for me, but it's kind of like theory. And I love theory. I can get absorbed and lost in theory, but the practical application of that theory is what drives me. So when I'm present with a client or with a model or a subject or whomever, and I take that shot, it might be the first shot or it might be the 500th shot. And I look at the back of the camera and now I see my idea, vision or concept manifest tangibly in the world. That's the point for me. That's like this watershed, deep breath, fresh air, serenity, flow state type thing. Um, And I just get lost in that. And I think secondarily to that, but very close, especially when I'm working with clients who aren't usually photographed, especially when I'm working with clients who think that they're not photogenic or are very, you know, self-loathing and self-deprecating to show them the back of my camera or to show them, you know, my monitor if I'm tethering and for them to gasp you know, to see this point in someone's eyes where now they are viewing themselves differently and what that's doing for them in that moment and to be present in that place of transformation is so fulfilling and so magical and so wonderful. Um, and for me, that's, that's everything because, you know, in all that I do, I really want to empower and uplift and embolden those who step in, in front of my camera. And I always feel so honored and grateful to do that. So that's, uh, it's those moments are when I feel like I'm really honoring uh, the craft and the opportunity to work with people in this, in this intimate setting. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Because that's, that's exactly, you know, the, the purpose, right. Is to be able to, to bring forth this mirror back to them to showcase, you know, them as who they are in that moment. Uh, as something more and larger than the self that they came in with. Uh, And, you know, that translates in so many different ways. And I think that is born a lot from being able to explore with them through your process. Uh, Because I think we've all been in that space, like where we're trying something, it's just not working. And the client, they're kind of getting a little like uncomfortable because they're like, Oh, well this, I don't look good. And oh, all the things that I hate about myself are coming to tell to light. And now they're going to be documented forever. Wonderful. Right. But it's in that, that experimental place when you can have the faith in one another, um, whether it's in the, the, their process of movement or, you know, vision and how they look at the camera and how they move their body and how you direct them. And, what you're bringing to the table from the technical sides of things and being in the moment and even intuitively, actually, especially intuitively. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious, has that translated in a way with the people that you photograph um, to where they appreciate the, the creative aspect or is it more like I showed up and I was photographed by Johnny and it was amazing and you know, of course, everything looks great. No, I, I think that ultimately what I want people to walk away from after they, they work with me or, you know, retain me is an amazing experience. You know, I think we are creators of experience. Firstly, we are creators of imagery second, secondarily. And so, um, you know, I love bringing people in. Like for those who have been photographed by me, I talk a lot, like a lot. It's bad. Um, but I tell stories. And one of my favorite quotes uh, that, that, that kind of ties into this is Richard Avedon, who's another uh, one of my big um, sources of inspiration. But he says, the camera gets in the way of what I do. And I feel very similarly in that. You know, I feel like I'm there and I'm connecting with people and I'm communicating and we're having a conversation and we're present. And it just so happens that that exchange, all of that magic is being documented with a camera. But that's secondary. So, no, I love bringing people into the process. And to be honest, one of the things that I think is really powerful about doing that, at least in my experience, is that it breaks down hierarchy. Um, And when I say that, I mean, most of the time, if a client walks into your studio, they're like, I'm in this individual studio, 
they are an artist, they're a professional, they're this, they're that. Like we're almost on pedestals oftentimes, I think, to our clients when they walk in with us. And that, that, can, that can be kind of hard for someone who's already very uncomfortable to then be in a position where, you know, they're, they're lower in that hierarchy. So I love messing up or let's just call it failing because that's what it is. I love failing in front of my clients because it gives me a chance to say, hey, you know what? You're great. You look amazing. You're doing everything right. I thought this was going to work. It didn't work. I'm trying something else. And it humanizes me and it, and it humanizes the situation between my client and me where suddenly they're like, oh, this person fails too. Oh, this person isn't infallible. Oh, this person is sharing that with me. And simply saying, you don't have to say I failed, of course, but simply saying I thought this was going to work and it didn't takes, takes vulnerability. And whenever we are vulnerable and open and authentic in sessions with our clients, we create this really beautiful, profound space for them to be the same. So in doing that, I found it in the aftermath of those moments of honesty for me to my client where I'm like, hey, I bombed this. I thought it was going to work and look at the back of the camera. I don't even know what was happening with the lights there. That's ridiculous. And they kind of laugh and I laugh and then I sit back and I click a photo, you know, or click the shutter rather. And then they're just so at ease because now they're in a space where they can just be themselves because I'm just being myself and we're just two humans coexisting in that space. And it's really, really incredible. Um, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of just being authentic and communicating from a place of authenticity with your clients, whatever that might entail, um, you know, when, when you're in your sessions. No, I agree. Um, because that, that pedestal does exist, you know, especially when you're working with a team. Uh, when you're working with a team, everybody on the team is looking to you as the creative director or the, the photographer, and they're wanting you to give direction and delegate and all of the things. And the client's usually just kind of standing there like, um, okay, what do I do with my hands? You know, and when you can be vulnerable and in that space with them and show them that it's simply a process instead of this big, ornate, you know, complicated thing that it's really, you know, just about being present and documenting the moment, that's really, at least for me, that's really where that magic occurs. Because um, I can give all of the direction in the world, but if you're still worried about being in the space with me in the first place, then that's all that's going to translate. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. That you And that, that lack of connection will then just, you know, it'll show up. In the oh, work. for sure. There, oh. You know, when the connection is there, you see it. It's, it's, it's just absolutely, you know, obvious. So, um, well, we're just at the halfway mark here. So I thought I would open up the stage to anyone that has questions or has a share that they'd like to share on this topic. But feel free to come up and ask us anything. There are no dumb questions. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Hi, Johnny. Big fan. Kat, I was so excited about, about this uh, this clubhouse all day. Um, my question for you, Johnny, is um, I normally photograph non-models. And oftentimes, you know, you're talking about, you know, they have some apprehension coming in. And I was wondering, how do you get your expectations across to them. Um, but at the same time, you know, not like freak them out, uh, maybe, you know, to loosen them up and to gain their faith. I know, you know, if people are going to come to you, they're very familiar with your work, but sometimes the emotion takes over and sometimes that insecurity takes over. And so I'm just wondering, you know, people will come into your studio and they might think, hey, he takes fabulous pictures, makes beautiful art, but I'm going to be the exception to the rule. I'm going to ruin it for them. Um, you know, how do you, how do you get them to believe when they're actually physically in your space or when you're doing your consultation with them? And I'll go ahead and let you answer. Thank you so much. Um, that's a really wonderful question. So for me, it, it really comes back down to just communication and meeting someone where they're at. Uh, you know, I think it's it's beholden of us as photographers to be good reads of people. And I think most of us are good reads of people. And that's why we're here is because we are people, people. That's a lot of people. Um, all the people. All the people, all the people. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I am very big on communicating. So before someone even says anything, I sense that energy when they walk into the space. And 
if, if someone is in that state, I'll just take the time to sit down and have a conversation with them or as I'm setting things up. So I really just want to make things very conversational and very low key for the person before I even address any of that. So I'm not going to say, hey, this is what we're doing if someone's in that state of mind, whether they express it or I'm just queuing into that. And it might be me just talking about my day. You know, funny enough, I really love telling embarrassing stories about myself. I think it's a great icebreaker, you know, something that happened over the past day or week, you know, and I'm like, hey, by the way, you know, I don't know how your day is going, but today I was walking up the stairs with coffee and, uh, you know, I walked down as I was walking up and I had to change my shirt because I spilled coffee all over myself. So it's another Tuesday. And, you know, someone just kind of laughs about that, but that whole just breaking the ice and bringing it down to, okay, yes, we are here and you're in my studio and we're going to create portraits of you. But first and foremost, this is about us just being present in this moment and being real with each other. Um, you know, and I, I generally set things up too, where I tell people, hey, for the first 15 to 20 minutes of the session, it's, it's a wash. You know, I'm going to be testing out lighting. You're going to be getting comfortable. We're going to be asking each other questions. We're going to be finding a rhythm. So I create that 20 minute space where there's no expectation at all. And many times I get the best photos in that time because when you tell someone, hey, you can keep your guard down, I'm just doing light tests and I'm not doing this and that, they don't feel like they have to be um, so poised and structured and they're not so concerned. And then by the time you get through that, that 20 minutes, suddenly a lot of that anxiety they walked in with has been um, allayed anyway. So it just, it's just it's communication and, and reading a person and, and being a bit self-deprecating. That's kind of my, my recipe for easing the angst. <laughs> oh, self-deprecation can be so powerful, right? Um, and I think that there's something really to be said about the being vulnerable enough to discuss how like, yeah, I uh, had some lunch and the majority of it's in my hair. Uh, so I brushed that out real fast before he got here um, because it, it does humanize you and sort of brings everybody to the same playing field. Like, yes, they're commissioning you and they're trusting you to, to create images for them and they know they're invested in the process, but that they're invested in a process with someone who cares, um, I think is paramount to everything else. Like when you don't care and when you're disconnected, that's when, you know, everything kind of goes sideways. So simply by being a human and friendly and kind to them, uh, you're giving them the space and the permission to sort of embrace the moment and step into being present instead of worrying about all of the things that might go wrong. It's no, that's I couldn't agree more. And, you know, this this is going to sound so cliche and trite, but something I'll do if I can sense or if someone expresses that they're in that place is, and I mean, I do this accidentally all the time as well, um, but I'll do something like leave the lens cap on my camera and take a photo and then kind of fiddle with my camera and then go, oh, left the lens, lens cap on. Sorry, I promise I've done this before. And just something so simple as that to get someone to laugh. And as soon as they can laugh authentically and, you know, you can kind of laugh with them. It's just it does so much uh, to reduce any tension that they might be holding. So obviously you have Absolutely. to find your own process for this. But, you know, especially when I've done workshops or worked with people in one on one mentoring, just communicate you know, communicate, 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 and be, you know, either compassionate or empathetic and, and know that they're coming in with those things and meet them there and see them and hear them and respect them in that place and allow yourself to speak and be um, from that understanding and knowledge. And, and if you do that nine times out of 10 organically, uh, things are going to sort of fall into place, at least in my experience. No, absolutely. And actually, one of the things that, that Sue teaches on, and she brings it up so often, is about how you know, if you continue to direct and just be with the client um, and engage with them, they will just naturally come down in that, like from that anxious space. Uh, so that's something to definitely keep in mind. Hey, Aaron. Hi. Hi, Kat. Hi, Johnny. Hi, Ella. Hi, Aaron. Hi. Uh, so I'm Aaron DeGrote. I'm a portrait and self-portrait artist in Southern California. I have a comment followed by a question. Um, my comment is I wanted to um, reinforce what you guys were talking about when you were talking about authenticity, especially you, Johnny, and how you were speaking to finding your own unique style and your own unique voice. I really um, relate to that. And then I had an experience earlier this week where I was trying to make a self-portrait and I started the process and I had a wig and I had some other stuff going on. And then I took a few shots and I realized that it just did not feel like me. And it actually felt a lot similar to 
another self-portrait artist that I follow and I admire greatly, but it was not me. And so I took the wig off and I was feeling kind of down and I decided to take just a couple more and I ended up creating something that I love and that ended up being very much me um, and didn't look at all like anything that the person I was inspired by created. And so that was a um, big learning experience for myself. But my question is, I often get approached by clients who see my self-portraits, which tend to be much more emotional and maybe a little bit, um, quote unquote, weird and very personal. And I usually have a personal feeling or story behind them. And they see that and they want me to create something similar for them, a similar experience. I often get flustered and hang up on not knowing how to translate the work I create for my self-portraits into a client experience. And I'm just curious if you've ever done something like that or if you've ever had a client approach you with something like that. This is a question for either of you and how you get over that almost self-conscious feeling of not knowing how to, I feel like I'm losing something in translation and I don't really know how to make that jump or if I'm just being self-conscious, I don't know. Well, I, I think there's, there's something to be said about self-portraits from the, like through the lens of it being like a personal therapy for you, right? Like it's not just a way to practice new techniques or concepts or ideas, right? But it's an opportunity for you to tell a story, even if it's just to yourself. And when clients see that, they're, you know, like, because I've had the, the client say, oh, I really love this image you did of yourself. And I'm like, um, okay, all right. Uh, but then when you start thinking about it, like, okay, what was the story I was trying to tell? And from what emotion was I trying to tell it? Or was I telling it without trying, right? And what of that is resonating with them and why? And I think that would really sort of determine how I go down the road. Because it's not necessarily about replicating the same image, right? It's about they want that evocative component. Right. I think you're right. I think I need to maybe start asking, you know, and almost instead of doing a typical consultation, maybe just a question and answer, like, what did you see in this? Like, what appeals to you? What do you see here or something? I don't know. Yeah, I, I was actually going to say that exact thing. Personally, I think that's a great idea. And if a client comes to me with with that type of request, or even if it's not my self-portrait, so it's like my experimental work that I share, you know, I really try and delve into, you know, what spoke to you about this? What resonated? Where are you at in your world? You know, since this is all about emotion, like what do you want to convey or what do you want to explore? Is that emotion? Is it experience? And so I'll go a lot deeper with a client who comes to me like that because they're opening the door for me to go to that level. And I want to try and meet them there. At the same time, I completely understand and relate to the discomfort you feel with that. I don't necessarily think it's just being self-conscious or, you know, some sort of surface level awkwardness. I know, you know, Kat's uh, a self-portraitist. I am as well. And I hold near and dear to these self-portraits. Like all of my art is an extension of me, but especially my self-portraits because now it's me embodying an extension of me, you know? So it's like inception for meaning here. There's so many layers. And I, I hold that to a higher standard. So when someone comes to me and goes, oh, Johnny, I, I really love that self-portrait of you falling off the box or whatever it might be. That's when I get a lot, one of my photos. Like I... I'm like, oh, if I fail at this, I'm, I'm like failing them. I'm failing myself. I'm failing my art. So there's more fear and anxiety that emerges for me when someone comes to me with that because those are so personal and important to me. And so since I do, in a way, place more value on those images because they are so deeply rooted, um, there's a bigger fear about failing to meet that expectation or not living up to it or not being able to create that for someone else and letting them down when they're coming to me with the request that's that's very um, profound and significant. And, you know, we have to push through that. But just for you, I think, in my opinion, it's very normal, but I'm weird, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> but I, I think that's very human for you to feel those things relative to your self-portrait work, given what you put into them, how significant they are, and how much, you know, just love and authenticity you, you kind of infuse into your self-portrait work. Well, I think that's part of what it is, is, you know, I think you guys probably relate as well, but when you're sharing a self-portrait or 
an experimental portrait that has a lot of meaning behind it. You're being very vulnerable with your audience. And for someone to trust me with their own vulnerability, I think is where, like you said, Johnny, I don't want to let them down. So I think that's where it's coming from. Yeah. And I think that's, that's good. You know, to be honest, I think that that's righteous and right for you to not want to let them down and to feel the weight of that and to know that that's there, certainly not to allow it to stop you from, from doing that for the person, but it means that you're honoring what they're asking of you and you respect them and appreciate them as, as a human being. So I think that those feelings just mean that you're a loving, you know, rational, compassionate human being. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. So, you know, even though it, it creates a bit of an obstacle, I'd revel in that too, because I think it really speaks to your character. And, you know, one thing you could do, just, just thinking about this a little bit more, um, is the idea is you could have a system for people who are, are wanting to have that level of, you know, emotive um, portrait, where you, you have some sort of little ritual that you could create, whether it be just like putting a certain kind of music on when they come to you and are like just having a moment where like they can light a candle and like, just like set the intention in the space or something like that. Like there are little things you could do to kind of, to just kind of set the mood and the tone for the experience. I love that. That's a good idea. Thanks. Ella. That's a really, really great idea. Ella. And in fact, I had, I had a photographer come to me recently and they wanted just me to photograph them as I normally do. And then they, they reached out to me a few days before their session and they said, hey, you know, actually I don't want to be styled. I don't want to do hair and makeup. Um, you know, this is what's really resonating with me and I want to show up raw and I want to do all of these things. And I went, wow, this is amazing because I love that. I love that someone would trust me enough to come to me in that space and, and that I would have an opportunity to be there in that space with them. Um, but I handle that differently. You know, normally, and, and those who have worked with me can certainly attest to this, I'm like a big ball of chaotic energy and I'm all over the place and, you know, there's like cartwheels and music and I'm just, it's, it's a lot, like I can be a lot. Um, and I toned all of that down going into the session. Um, Ella, like you had said, the music was different. The lighting in my studio was different and it was much more, you know, casual and that, okay, I'm just meeting a friend here and we have some serious stuff to talk about. And I didn't want to inject you know, this overbearing mood into the situation at all. But I did want to try and meet her in that place where it was like, okay, we're doing something a little bit different this time. And doing that put me into a headspace was I, where I was more receptive and less, less angsty as well. So I think that that's, um, you know, it's a great idea. Ella. Thank you. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a Leo. So like in my natural mode, I'm kind of like, I'm the one who's having like the, like the super high energy and like the, party music and that kind of thing but uh, you know I've I have really close friends who like that's that's not how I approach them and when we go to have a meaningful conversation you know like I have to re remember to bring my energy in to like meet them in some kind of even place so yeah I would love to to hear from any of you you know as far as if we're kind of getting back to the grander scheme here of things in terms of you know creative exploration what is what is holding you back or what has held you back from being exploratory creatively, from trying new lighting techniques, from trying new posing techniques, from shooting self-portraits, from just getting outside of your comfort box? Like what obstacles are you facing or have you faced? I'd really just be curious to know. And I also believe that saying these things out loud um, diminishes the hold they have over us. And there's um, just a lot to be said for simply doing that. 1,000%. Hey, Aaron. Aaron. Hey guys, Johnny, I love what you just, uh, what this, like the topic you just brought up. It's the thing that I've been like talking about a lot lately with, with lots of different, of, lots of different creative people. And, um, uh, I even made a meme that I posted in like the photography groups about like the difference between like, you know, thinking about being creative versus like the pain uh, in, involved in like when you're actually in it, like trying to create, um, uh, sometimes, um, but for me, yeah, I mean, I remember back like a few years and really the thing, the biggest couple of things that I think have always, I, that I've always let hold me back is um, the belief that uh, I'm not good enough to create something that is like equal to the people that I'm inspired by or um, that I am not good enough to create something that's even at the standard that I have in my own head of what I want to achieve. Um and that that classic just like 
fair fear of failure is like those two things, um, those two core beliefs, uh, that I've been working on for most of my adult life. Um, they don't get as much in the way today, but, um, they still can. It's just usually for a, a briefer period of time or I'll catch myself and then sort of like move through it quicker. Um, but in the past, I mean, I, I would say I've spent years, um, you know, like not really going after a photography career, not really going after like the exploration and the light testing and just learning that I could have done um, because of those beliefs, because I was just like, I was scared that I was going to fail. I was scared that I was going to, uh, I was just going to suck and never be good enough. And now what I've learned over the years is that that's just, that's such a valuable part of the process. And there's no, um, there's no getting around it. Like you have to fail. You have to be willing to, um, to suck and to do it sometimes often and to do it repetitively. And, um, you have to be willing to like face the frustration and all of that stuff that I was avoiding, I've learned is it's just a part of the process and and not just a part of the process. It's, it's one of the most valuable parts of the process because that's where all the, the growth comes from is from going through those experiences of failing and figuring something out and like learning from it. Um, so that's my two cents. Well, and that's where the value of what you're trying to accomplish and what those goals like that's where it's stemming from is that failure because without that failure the comprehension isn't there right because you don't have the objectivity to understand what could go wrong or could go sideways and it's in those things that go sideways that are the biggest teaching moments uh and allow you to to develop not just in your work but in yourself right into understanding you know, there's this other layer of self that comes from that that exploratory period that is where you're going to draw from a deeper well. And that's that's the meaty stuff. That's what I love. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just I love that you brought this up, Aaron. I that's one thing that I really wanted to talk about today and I really have kind of skirted the issue. But yeah, failure is is absolutely not optional. It's it's wholly essential. And like all things, you know, any type of bit that we work on with ourselves, the more that we avoid it, the more that it digs in. So it's like if we can create um, an openness to that and create space for failure and embrace it and start to think of it as being synonymous with growth and with where we want to be, um, we can actually leverage it. You know, it's kind of like the physics of emotion. You, you can't destroy or create things. We can, however, redirect them. So I love hearing how you've redirected that, like how you've met it and redirected it. And I see it, you know, just in the time that, that we've um, known each other in your work and how you, not even just in your work, but how you are openly relating to your work. And it's inspiring and powerful and beautiful. So yeah, everyone out there today, plan on failing because that means you're doing something right. So <laughs> just fail forward. Oh, so. Yeah. And like, just, just, uh, to add to that, like, I don't know where we've all adopted this, this belief that like you decide you're going to do something. And then all of a sudden, like, there's no space between that decision and like being the most successful person in the world, (laughs) but literally like everything (laughs) in life is a process and takes time. Like, and I, I have the same thing where it's like, I just want to be the best at everything that I'm trying to do right now in this moment. And I forget. And I have to remind myself constantly that like, no, like this is, it's a process. And what I hear repeatedly from people who have achieved more success than me is when they're looking back on their life, uh, that they really look back fondly at the period of, of what they would maybe have considered at the time struggling, um, or just that exploration period, or just, just, uh, learning as one of the best times of their life. So I try to hold on to that. And I'm like, okay, like I'm definitely many times feeling like I'm in that moment, you know, in the current, in this current time of my life. And I'm like, okay, what if it's, what if it's one of the best times of my life right now? Because I'm just, you know, figuring it out. And what if like, we're always all just figuring it out just at different, you know, different success levels, different incomes, different things that we're charging, but it's all like a process. Love, love, love that mindset so much, Aaron. And I love you. <laughs> I love all of you. Same. <laughs> I love you. Uh, Olga, please. Uh, Hi, friends. Hello, hello gorgeous. Uh, I want to like piggyback on kind of failure and all of that and just kind of say that um, I'm kind of in a transition period myself. Like I basically pigeonholed myself for the past like eight years into boudoir and I kind of died inside artistically because I was really over it. And I didn't realize I was. And so I almost wanted to quit photography altogether. But then one day I realized like I don't have to keep shooting what I don't want to shoot. I can do the things that really resonate with me. 
which lately I've totally been doing and I've, I've kind of found this whole new spark and love for photography again. And if people don't really know me and they only follow my work, they can totally see that it kind of took like a 180 degree left turn somewhere completely different. And I'm just here kind of to say, don't be scared to shoot what you want. You don't you're not, you know, you're not, you're not who you shot. You can just completely change and find where, what really speaks to you. Yes, yeah. that is so exciting. Congratulations on, you know, reconnecting with yourself and prioritizing you and, and falling back in love with your art and your expression. That's amazing and inspiring. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and, and really, like, I love, I mean, I loved your work before, Olga, but I really loved, like, this new space that, that your work is sort of, you know, swimming gracefully into, like, this, ah, yeah, it's it's making me happy. Same. Thank you. Well, I think like I was just I was just known for you know butts. I was doing boudoir. I was just known for it, so people kept approaching me for it. And so I was like, yeah, I guess so. But it was just so like I just felt like that's all there was. And then one day I was like, I don't really have to keep doing this. Like I don't. <laughs> I mean, I can still do it, but I can actually set up shoots and do the lighting that I want. And right now, I feel like it's now that I've connected to it. I think other people are as well. Well, and business can be more than TNA, right? Like that can certainly be a part of what you create, but it can also just be a component of too. So yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. Uh, Karen, if you'd like to share, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Yes. Well, you had talked about uh, what's holding you back from doing more lighting experimentation and tests and playing and getting in there and really exploring the creative side of photography. And so I'm wondering how you guys handle the balance of that, because for me, I always feel like I'm falling behind in marketing and I haven't posted anything and I've got a PDF to make and clients to email and there's so much to be done on the business side that to find, like take a half a day and just play with even some product photography or play around with, with different, um, you know, lighting setups or and finding models. I just, I just find that I get, I don't give myself the permission and so... I guess I'm asking for you to give me the permission <laughs> from well, a more I mean, experienced like way. You, you <laughs> answered your own question, right? Yes. Like, you know, you're not giving yourself the, the time that you would need to be creative. You're putting the priority on making the PDF. And, and really, like, infrastructure is huge. So having the PDF and, you know, having all of your ducks in a row is paramount because when you do get into motion and you're in business and you have clients coming to you, like you need to have that stuff in place so that you can deliver that to them so they can choose whether or not they want to work with you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But there's also a space like, okay, where you can look at your calendar and take a bird's eye view and say, okay, you know what? Next Thursday, next Thursday is for me. Next Thursday is for me to simply just take a deep breath and exhale and create for the sake of creating, because that's why I started this business in the damn first place. Right. Right. Well, and you know, to that end as well, I think ultimately, yeah, infrastructure is essential and you have to focus on it, but like, what are you marketing? You're marketing yourself, you're marketing your art. And so if you're disconnecting from that, and if you're drifting away from who you are and what it is you have to say, share and create, then you start to lose what you're trying to market in the first place. So it's, it's the chicken and the egg thing. And I would just look at it as an essential element. Like, yeah, you have to have infrastructure, but you also have to be connected to yourself as an artist and creator. And that's a non-negotiable term. So, you know, like Kat just alluded to, like just schedule that in, just like you do any of these other things and say, I must do this. I must do it for me and my business and my clients. And even if you have to take a hard line approach with yourself, uh, give yourself permission because you're worthy and deserving of that. And it really is foundational to your success and well-being and forward movement. It is. That's wonderful. Thank you. I'm going to throw it on the calendar just like another shoot. So, Yay. That's so exciting. That's amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Mr. Franco. David. David. Hi, y'all. Um, so this is so weird because I, I joined a little bit late and I started hearing the conversation and it was about, you know, holding yourself back and all that stuff. And I'm literally going through this right now. And in fact, uh, I had a therapy session on Tuesday and we were just going over this topic and he asked me a question. He said, Hey, 
has there ever been an instance where you holding back has ever benefited you? And I like thought Ooh. about it for a second and I was like, well, you know, I'm the youngest of four and uh, my siblings were always crazy ones. They were like the partiers, they were the, you know, whatever. And I would always, I was very observant and I started noticing that I was very, like, I, I would just kind of observe what they would do and it would, it would scare me to make my own decisions because I was always afraid to make the leap to do things because I was always thinking like, well, maybe this is the wrong thing to do. But so I was always kind of passive in terms of kind of getting things going. But, uh, but then when I answered his question, I was like, well, no. I mean, honestly, once I actually did something, like once I made, uh, there was an action, you know, done, it just kind of starts snowballing into something that's, uh, I don't know if one of these are successful, but just like, it, it just, it just keeps going and it, and it goes places. Right. So, uh, I think just doing things, I mean, even if they don't seem right in the beginning, but you're just kind of getting things started, it's better than doing nothing. You know, if you're just sitting there and waiting for things to happen, I mean, also treat yourself with kindness. I mean, sometimes you need a break, but at the same time, like if you're just kind of in your own thoughts, I mean, I, that's me. I, I'm an overthinker my whole entire life. And uh, that, that's been the thing that's held me back the most is just in, in my thoughts and not getting started. So um, that's just my own little two cents i guess <laughs> well it's <laughs> we're playing a game here well it's it's uh you know i can i can relate to that deeply it's sort of the paralysis by analysis conundrum um you know and i get wrapped into that even even for something as minute as shoots like oh what what canvas backdrop am i going to use and i'll literally create like a mind map or flow chart literally or figuratively of the different options and then evaluate and yeah i i what i've done too is just tried to remove this idea of right and wrong and just action action. And I think just that, that the movement is so important versus just the stagnation. So that's a great, I mean, you clearly have a really solid therapist and thank you for sharing that because that actually um, jogs some things in, in my mind for me too. Uh, to be fair, when it was happening, I was literally yelling at him. <laughs> I, I do that with my therapist too. <laughs> it was like, I was so angry and I was like, you know, why are you throwing this in my face? You know? And, and it was just, and when I actually started to think about it, really, I was like, wait a minute, you're actually like, right. Like, damn it. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> well, and I would actually totally back up the, the action comment, right? Because at the end of the day, whether we're talking about creativity or just action in general, it's all compounding. Like you can't get to point C without getting to point B first. And sometimes just getting into a flow state is really what allows you to move forward and get to, you know, whatever destination it is that you're after. Even if it's not the one that you were originally intending for, um, you're still going to get somewhere. And that energy is going to bring up new thoughts and new concepts and new ideas for you to work on and, you know, leverage in a shoot or, you know, in your process. Um, so yeah, holding yourself back simply keeps you devoid of the results of taking those actions. Absolutely. And I think more often than not, we wind up charting our ideal course via a process of elimination. So we have to move into failure. We have to figure out what doesn't work in order to figure out what does. And if we can embrace that, then there is no right and wrong. There is just movement. And if we continue to move, we will get to where we want to be. Momentum. I don't know what I would do without this group. <laughs> Thank you so much, you guys. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you, David. Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Hannah. Hey, my lovelies. <laughs> Hello. Hey, um, I just wanted to just add on to this whole concept of um, creating with passion. And that, at least for me, um, I have to really authentically love the idea or concept, number one, before I even start. Because no matter when, whenever I create art, there's always going to be roadblocks that come in my way. And it's the passion that fuels the work. And no matter how you work it, art takes work. You have to be able to power through and it's work. But it's, if you're passionate about it, it doesn't feel like work. And it's that excitement that you get about the idea and the concept that you can use to ignite others to feel the same way and maybe join with you and your team project if you're going to you know, collaborate and work with others. And in the end, you just need to really trust that power of your creative force 
and um, believe in yourself and that you can get through the work that it takes to create the vision that you have in the end is key um, to really creating something that is you incarnate at the very end. Um, anyway, that's kind of my ad, but I love you guys. I love this podcast and I appreciate you guys bringing this to us each week. Oh, love, love you too. And thank you for sharing yeah. that. And I'm just like, what, what an apt person to, to share this, this right? wisdom, given your work and what you put into your work and your art takes a lot of work in all of your heart and all of your passion. And it's so friggin' incredible. Um, so, wow. Thank, thank you so much for, for sharing that, Hannah. You're wonderful. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and one of the things that I love that, that you touched on was about, you know, falling in love with that vision um, because at the end of the day, everything we do is about being in love with this craft and, and to create. And uh, I can't remember which video it's on. And I've actually mentioned this a couple times this week. So it, it must be uh, needing to get into my brain for whatever reason. Uh, but Sue did a talk and she says, uh, you know, enthusiasm is from the, the term entheos. And entheos means to be filled with a god. Right. And that's really when you know you're in that right space because your enthusiasm just it overflows. Right. You like I, I don't know about you, but I know when I know that I'm really like nailing it in the moment and everything's coming together, I'll stomp. I and I wear these, you know, giant boots pretty much every day, even in like July. And I will just stomp and jump up and down and get really excited. And that's when I know that the the vision that I have in my head, I'm getting to it right and it might not even be the way i thought that i would get there right and that enthusiasm is what drives my ability to create um and so i'm so glad you brought that up so glad hannah thank you well we've just about um ran out of time for our chat today but i just want to thank kat and johnny so much for being here today if you aren't following them on instagram already please make sure to click on their photo and go to their profile and fo follow them on their social media sites and then if you have any questions that we weren't able to get to today if you are a member of Subrice education you can go in the Subrice. Uh, members only Facebook group and you can tag them in a post and ask any questions that we weren't able to get to. Otherwise you can reach out to them on their social media handles. If you have any questions about Sue Bryce education, the portrait system or um, the portrait masters store, feel free to email me at Ella at Sue And thank you again so much. We really appreciate you all being here to uh, join us in this chat today. Ella, thanks so much for having me. And Johnny, thank you so much for, for guesting today. I appreciate you so much. Oh, no, this was, this was such a joy. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, thanks to, to everyone here for being here and for making this what it is. And uh, this is such a beautiful, brilliant community. And you are all such incredible artists and creators. Go forth and explore and experiment and connect with your, your passions and your art deeply and share that with the world because the world needs what only you can say. So say it loud and proud and be the light and the change and all the goodness. Love all of you. Parade. Yes. <laughs> Bye everyone. Thanks again for listening today. And don't forget, you can listen to either me or our special guests every Friday on Clubhouse at 11 a.m. Pacific. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-day startup challenge plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business, lighting PDFs. I mean, truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com.